There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster baby. Are you Tony's stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo. We've got the usual uh, cast of characters here. We've got Peaches, we've got Robbie, we've got Chris, and we're talking all about episode seven, Breaking the Fourth Wall of WandaVision, directed by Matt Shackman and written by Cameron Squires. Guys. You guys psyched? Lots happens on this episode. Oh, so psyched! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved this episode. It was eventful. I I don't know why anyone would have thought that it might not be, but it definitely was. Yeah, who would have? Who would have thought that? What's coming? You know, and it's really interesting coming from something we talked about on the uh, the Daredevil episodes, and I obviously I did love Daredevil, but you guys are right to point out that going into episode 12 of Daredevil, it's not like it's set up episode 13. And it's like, okay, here's all the stuff that's going to resolve. It's like episode 13 was almost kind of a standalone experience on Daredevil. We're here. We have very clearly set up what the last couple episodes are going to have to deal with. Um, So that's pretty cool. Yeah. We'll start to get the top. The morning after Wanda. No, you know what? I'm going to share it later, actually. I was going to say, I actually did some reading last night, some comic reading. I know we normally talk about that here. I forgot to tell you I did that. Um, But no, I'm actually, I'm sorry. I'm just going to cut this part out where I rudely interrupt you right because you No, don't. That's a record setting Eduardo interruption time. (laughs) He literally didn't even get the first sentence off. (laughs) (laughs) You got to leave that in. I read. It's even worth, it's an interruption that you're like, wait a second, I actually don't want to interrupt you right now. Please continue. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, false interruption. I feel right not interrupting. (laughs) God, I'm so rude. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I think when I think of Sound Lord, how rude he is. How rude. How rude. Uh, You were on the start of the episode, Eduardo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, read the line from the top. Yeah, I was trying to give some space so that um, Chris knows where to cut it if he's going to, but sure, line, keep talking. Line. Please, line. I think it's in. All right, keep going, please. I'm just going to sit here in shame. <laughs> Starting at the top. The morning after Wanda's expansion of the Hex, she is laying in bed alone. Talking to the camera in the interview style of mockumentary sitcoms like Modern Family in the Office, she says, look, we've all been there, right? intentionally expanding the borders of the false world we've created, which is the first time that's been said, that it is a false world that she created. Um, and I love the the comical music playing over all of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents running around in terror with yes, guns firing I, and yes. turning into... Like the, the, was laughing so hard. The juxtaposition of the terrifying thing happening to those people and the comedy music... Right. Right. Well, and good. that continues throughout the episode. Like later, when Monica is going to go confront them, there's this light, jaunty music as Monica goes to confront Wanda. And there's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there, there's a couple other. I know I've got somewhere in the notes a couple other examples of it, but that was like a whole theme of this episode. Did I send you guys? And I don't think I sent it to you. I saw a tweet a couple days ago from uh, 
Erica Henderson, who's a comic book artist that I, I really like. She did uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. But she went to film school and she was talking about a professor she had there who she said she hated film school because everyone there was all about avant-garde film. And she had a professor who said that she hated people using music in their films because it manipulated viewers' emotions. Like, that's not what film is. <laughs> hated um, music in film. Yeah. yeah. It manipulates emotions. Yeah, it makes people feel a certain way. And like, and isn't that what artists and storytellers are trying to do is make people feel a certain way? I feel like it this is a take I've seen someone Yes, no, it, it's a it's a not uncommon take. I've seen stuff like that before. And she shared the way she demonstrated and she said, and to that professor I say this, and she shared this video. Uh the caption was uh <laughs> something along the lines of you never know when a giraffe might kill you. And it's someone who's just chopping up vegetables. And then the camera turns around and there's a giraffe looking in the window. But it's played over suspenseful music. So it looks like the giraffe is stalking them. And it's just so funny. And it made me think of this scene. How just playing a different kind of music over a certain action makes it read a different way to us. Right. And yeah, it is manipulating how we experience it, manipulating our emotions, but that's what's great about it. That's what's great about, you know, film as a medium. It's visual, it's audio, it's it's all these other things combined into a, a, a cool way to tell a story, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't I don't want to get too far away from the path on this one, but there's a difference between using music to convey emotion in a show versus doing that same thing but too often like it's kind of like if it's used like the laugh track of if they use it in a laugh track way where they try to force you to laugh at things that aren't actually funny cough friends cough like then it becomes a problem where if all you're doing is overstimulating the emotions with music because you can't do it well enough through the actual dialogue or the filming, then that's a problem. But like to say overall that music or film is better without music just doesn't make sense yeah. to me. I think Mel Brooks is the one who said this and, and I know he's not the only one to have said it, but, but I think I remember hearing it from him first. I'm talking like, like he's talked to me. No, that's not <laughs> like me and Mel. When we were and chatting, we had way back. I actually did see him live once and it was incredible. I saw blazing saddles and then he came out and did a question and answer thing after it. And it was amazing. Holy but crap. Imagine space balls without the space balls theme. Mel. But, yeah, but what the, no, but the thing no, the thing that he said about music was that to him he doesn't want the the score of his films underplaying the jokes of the scene. He wants the score to underplay the emotion of the scene, and then put the jokes on top of that, and that makes you know the people buy in more. And he's probably that's different good at comedy. Yeah, that's different <laughs> from a sitcom where where the music is not used very much. You know, a, a film ha- usually has a score to it, and especially for someone like him who who dabbled in different genres with comedy where he did he did you know the producers which was you know, a, a new york type comedy but then he did blazing saddles which was a western he did young frankenstein which is a horror pastiche he wanted the scores to those movies to fit that type of movie and then make a comedy on top of that and and i you know, there's a reason that those movies are remembered to this day as being all-time classics. Yeah, but you couldn't do Blazing Saddles today. 
Please no one take me seriously. I need absolutely no one in this yeah. audience to take me seriously, please. Well, and I think there are certain people, like I'm going to uh, talk about me for a second. <laughs> take Thanks, guys. Uh, but like well, I don't have me. the best memory in the world. I don't remember things very well. Um, no. But I do, I'm like a feel person. Like I feel, like I get into the feeling of something rather than remembering the details. So like, if I'm watching a scene, I don't necessarily remember what the two characters are saying to each other. But if a little little bit of a light motif comes in there, I can notice that in an instant and I can feel that. And if all movie scenes were just silent, I would hate watching movies. Not mm -hmm. that I can't watch a movie that doesn't have music, but my favorite are the ones that incorporate it well and can use it to, to kind of draw out the emotion of the scene. So I think it it's just for different people. I don't know. Maybe it's... Uh, I don't know. I think that's a that's a really weird take. Yeah. yeah. You know what it movie always me makes me think of it, where the score brings me right back to the emotion that I felt watching it the first time and the emotions of the scenes is the, the one of the Spider-Verse. Wow, we all said different ones. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that, that's beautiful. Yeah. Lion King <laughs> for me, I think of like the music in the stampede yeah. scene and I get sad, you know? Yeah. And um, so, I was thinking Lord of the Rings. I would say uh, okay. it's a kind of an underrated soundtrack that people don't really mention often. Um, but I would go with uh, Empire Strikes Back. Oh, what and the soundtrack? <laughs> the, the I can't remember the name of the composer, but the guy that did that movie did a pretty good job with it. Scott yeah, that, that one the guy. Uh, what's John, his John name? John something. At the top of my tip yeah. of my tongue. Willie John. <laughs> Willie John. Yeah. Willie J. All right, Willie sorry for J. that weird digression. No, Willie <laughs> is also uh, a nickname of somebody named William, and another nickname of that is Billy. Billy and Tommy try to wake up, wake her up, scared oh. because their Wiimotes have suddenly turned into Game GameCube controllers, followed by Atari Twenty Six Hundred controllers, followed by a deck of Uno cards. Speaking of being angry, those GameCube controllers were not WaveBird controllers; they were GameCube controllers where someone had cut off the cord. And that made me angry as well. <laughs> yeah, these are two hard. perfectly fine GameCube controllers. I'm just happy for them that they're when it, the controllers turned into cards, they turned into Uno cards and not Phase Ten cards. They really dodged a bullet there. Yeah. Nah, Uno's still bad. It is, but Phase Ten is much worse. <laughs> yes, you're correct. <laughs> phase Ten is a fun game. We don't want to do this because I absolutely have a Phase 10 soapbox prepared that will take us so far into Michigan Chiller's territory. You're not ready. <laughs> and, I will, and, I will, and I will back everything Robbie says. Uh, no, I was say it's a fun game until you get to about Phase 5 and everyone else is on Phase 7. And you're like, why are we still playing? We have so many more phases to go. And you just want to go home. <laughs> is that not just Monopoly? No, you're just You stuck guys, in... guys, you got to be careful. I'm going to go on board game rants. Monopoly, you're just stuck in limbo for however long. No, that's not true because about three or four turns into the game, you know who's going to win, and so you might as well just stop playing. Yes, but who does, Robbie? Me and you would. You and I, grammatically correct. You and I would. <laughs> End of list. We got we to gotta keep moving, Eduardo. <laughs> Wanda refuses to help them, saying she intends to take a whole day to herself as punishment. As Wanda tries to make herself breakfast, the milk starts phasing across decades and color palettes. Uh, the opening credits roll, looking like a fairly contemporary sitcom, one in particular. I have a couple so, things on this. Yeah, so, so the, the, yeah. the theme is definitely The Office. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, oh, because, absolutely. Uh, the uh, 
Bailey went and watched the Modern Family theme, and it is nothing like this because I don't know any Modern Family. It's it's um, like Happy Endings. Okay. It's visually Happy Endings, uh, where the camera goes. I sent it. To, I think I sent it to the group chat. Hmm. Um, it's well, like I went and watched it as long. well. You you guys are right. So this is definitely Office, um, and then it's. There is one part that I had to pause where it said, uh, uh, "What did it say?" It said, "I know what you I know, know what you're doing. Yes, I, I know what you're you doing, doing, Wanda." Sorry, it looks like Wanda. we all paused it. So <laughs> continue, I guess. I guess. Peaches, yeah, what no. did you have? I was wondering if, because I paused to see that message, but I didn't pause to see who the missing kid was on the milk. Did anybody notice who no. that was? Soundboard, that sounds like something you'd do. Oh no. Okay. No, I didn't know if something I would do, but I didn't the second time through. The other also, thing I noticed, had, I think I watched it the first time and said, "Oh, I need to remember to pause that," and then I didn't later. And also, if you had subtitles on when she was making herself that bowl of cereal, yes. there was random audio in the background that you literally could not hear. That was the other thing that was weird to me: is did they like peanut butter and jelly again? Did they forget to put audio in in that scene, or was it supposed to be for the listener or like for the viewer, like? There's subtitles for what? For the viewer. For the viewer. Like, was that a fourth wall breaking thing? Or was that we forgot some audio? I have no idea. So what idea. did they say? Because W it's a radio station WMDA. I think I might have been looking It was the radio it. station and they were yeah, they were talking Wonder. about the day after Halloween and what to do with your candy, whether you should save it or just eat it all. Hopefully um, all the kids made it back safely. Yeah. Which like, is a, which is a creepy thing to say, but why but, is that a creepy thing to hope all the kids made it yeah. back? Well, well, because well, we don't know the way it was said. Like, well, that's also, that's what's weird about it. Hope all your kids made it back safely is just like this just saying on the radio in the morning, like, yeah, Halloween's really unsafe. We continue to do it. Your kids might die. Like, that's just... <laughs> <laughs> it's like getting on an airplane and saying, wow, hope we don't crash. Right, exactly, <laughs> right. It's not that hoping the kids come back safely is a bad thing it's that just bringing that up is like whoa bro <laughs> what's what's going on with your mind what's important that we talk about is we all called that this mockumentary thing was going to happen um so good job uh podcast you guys did a great yeah. job um clearly they did and sound lord you have watched modern family right this was modern yes. family i have barely yeah, seen this... it okay yeah my uh my parents are big fans so every time i go visit them Modern Family is is a thing that that ends up on TV, and it's it's a pretty funny show. Actually, it has a lot of the same writers as uh, a lot of the writers from Community and Arrested Development ended up working there. So there are some episodes that kind of channel that a little bit, uh, which you wouldn't necessarily expect. I gotta say, so Julie Bowen plays the mother on Modern Family. Elizabeth Olsen nailed that her portrayal. It was perfect. I was getting. Such strong Julie Bowen vibes from from that. And it's too bad that she and Vision were separated in this episode because I, I know that's where we are in the storyline now and that's what needs to happen to go forward. But if this had just been a regular sitcom, seeing Paul Bettany playing Ty Burrell playing the father would have been very funny as well. And, and I guess we sort of did get a little bit of that, but we just didn't get any real interplay uh, between them. But yeah, no, they they nailed that style of the the mockumentary style popularized by The Office, Parks and Rec, Modern Family. You know, that's if you want to go back to the movies, then like this is Spinal Tap. 
I think right. was like the first real big mockumentary. Something you said in there was that it had a lot of the same writers as Arrested Development. That gets to something I was wondering. The, the part where they are running away from the circus to the happy ukulele music. Um, well, well, no, they were running away from the circus to circus music. Um, but then the ukulele music in the, in the background of some of the scenes uh, really made me think of Arrested Development, even though I this sitcom is not done in the style of Arrested Development. And so I was wondering if, having not seen Modern Family, if that was all just Modern Family's sort of handling of comedic situations as well. Well, as I think Danny pointed this out in the Squad Up chat, that, or it was either the Squad Up chat or is in, or is in a different chat that we're in talking about WandaVision. He said that that part reminded him of Arrested Development. And he said the food truck is the new stair. Uh, or <laughs> the new stair, the stair, new stair car, car. Yes. <laughs> and, and honestly, I'm sitting here watching it. And, and when Darcy says to Vision, I've been watching WandaVision for a week. I really want Ron Howard to go, hey, that's the name of the show. <laughs> You're going to get hop-ons. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it worked well for the show. Um, the, You're the, not supposed to bring beekeepers in here. Uh, the way they used the, I, I think what they the term they use for the office in Parks and Rec is talking head scenes, but it's basically yes. an interview. Uh, the way they use those is really good. I, and I think it's interesting. We were all kind of talked about, are they going to do this? Like, is it going to be weird? And then they didn't just do it. Like, they made it work in the show in a way that's really smart. Um, they're talking to, as we find out, apparently Agnes, uh, but they're talking to their interviewer, but also, like, questioning, wait, 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 why am I doing this? Which makes sense why Agnes didn't question it. And then Vision, I don't think, is fully in control of his faculties right now. And then Wanda is, I guess, not as well. So, and... That made it interesting because I think we were always going to wonder, how are they talking to the camera? Why are they talking to the camera? Who are they talking to? And then they used that to just kind of enhance the the plot twist that everyone saw coming uh, that we'll discuss later in the, in the episode. So I think that was very interesting, the way they not only um, handled a sitcom style that we all knew was coming, but the way they made it fit within the show. Um, the office style introduction, I think, was really cool. I really liked... Uh, the I Heart Wanda mug instead of uh, World's Best Boss. I like the callback mm-hmm. to the the heart on the calendar. I like that Friday is hearted. Um, fe- Friday in February, although I think they got the date wrong. Um, yeah. It was just really neat. I liked a lot of that. And then I really liked at the end uh, that we got the Munsters, which that just felt completely out of left field to go with Munsters. Yes, um, but, but so perfect. <laughs> but for anyone who has never seen the Munsters, the Agatha theme is the monsters like it is probably fewer deviations away from the theme it is parroting than any other sh- song we've heard in this series so far like it is almost know, the man. monsters the office theme in the beginning of this one yeah, was you might almost right. exactly yeah. the office theme it was very close it was like a different instrument and a couple notes here and yeah. there were not the same notes yeah all of these are like the um the like when an advertisement couldn't get the rights to the music like the, like if someone was selling office action figures but couldn't get the rights to the office theme song, so this is the song they would use. Uh, I, remember, <laughs> I remember distinctly one I'm thinking of is K Jewelers was at was selling Star Wars Pandora jewelry, but didn't get the rights to Star Wars music, which is weird. Um, and so it had like fake Star Wars music while advertising X wings that go on a bracelet. It was. <laughs> For but some reason, that, that makes commercial. me think of that that dude on YouTube who would play 
John Williams music with a recorder, like the Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is my favorite video of all time. I hear, I hear the song, that recorder version cover. of that song in my head on like a weekly basis. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I detail, know. No, go ahead, please. I was going to say, a detail that I really liked was in Vision's talking head interview. First of all, him having a lapel microphone pinned to his metal chest thing was hilarious um i noticed that because i paused for a second because angela had to run out to the kitchen and i was like oh that's funny and then like a couple seconds later he takes it off but if you notice there's no sound of him taking that off which if that had been an actual working Mm -hmm. microphone you would have heard the Mm -hmm. a lot of the buzzing and muffled shuffling of of that so it's just a prop in this illusion that agnes or wanda or whoever has created so also he I, I gets a boom a mic <laughs> yeah and there's a boom mic too <laughs> who's uh, holding it <laughs> yeah i'm glad you were here you? and i'm glad you watched mountain family because i did want to talk about these sitcoms um but this is modern family is the first sitcom that we've done on the show that i have almost no experience with i've seen a couple episodes and that's it yeah I, clearly i know the office um mm-hmm. they but for obvious reasons the office not being about families they didn't really uh, mimic the office they mimicked um modern family so i think that was interesting yeah um i don't know if you guys have anything else about sitcom these sitcoms i don't i've seen a few episodes of modern family here and there i've watched the office all the way through um the theme song mm-hmm. being that adjacent to the office theme song is what really like got me giddy about this episode and you could tell the modern family influences there even if you haven't seen a lot of it so yeah yeah the main the main thing that that came from seemed to come specifically from Modern Family was it being about a family and the way that Elizabeth Olsen channeled Julie Bowen. That that was really the only thing that was specifically Modern Family-esque. And so there's not, you're not like missing out on too much by not being steeped in the lore of Modern Family. Which one, Something is, about which the one shots... is Julie Bowen on Modern Family? She's the, 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 the blonde one. Okay. I say the mother, and, and oh, I realize that, that, that it's two. about multiple families, yeah. The one that's not Sofia Vergara. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I liked the shots of the kids when they were reacting to their mom saying depressing things. Like, that also reminded me of shots in Modern Family and, like, sitcoms, where they, like, the camera pans over to them really quickly, and it kind of, like, zooms in and then zooms back out while they're making, like, a strange face. Like a repulsed yeah. face, yeah. Yes. I liked that technique. Outside the sword base, we find out the WandaVision broadcast signal is gone, and Tyler Hayward says they will launch today. In Wanda's new created circus, Vision wakes up and finds Darcy Lewis still chained to a truck, but now Cass is an escape artist uh, she is able to get out. Vision tries to talk to her, recognizing her from the night before, but Darcy doesn't remember. Wait, remember last week we were talking about wanda might subconsciously recognize um darcy as an ally did not think of this until right now but did she cast her as an escape artist so she could get out because of that oh maybe or is this me surveillance storking hey (laughs) and we'll come back to that later i'm grieving right now okay (laughs) have some respect anyway dead vision tries to talk to her recognizing her from the night before but darcy doesn't remember at the Vision residence, now with modern furnishing, the boys try and convince Wanda to go find their dad. With a lazy and dismissive attitude, Wanda tells them she's not going to make him uh, be her, be with her if he doesn't want to be. 
When they ask her about Pietro, who is nowhere to be seen, she tells them he is not their uncle. Then they ask who he is, and Wanda tells them she doesn't have any answers and doesn't know anything. <laughs> you know how I'm supposed to know all your answers? Nothing. Nada. Zero. Zilch. <laughs> uh, okay, then who is Pietro? I don't know. Tell us. Uh, so... If you stay to the end of this episode, you get a little mid credit scene, and Pietro is at Agatha's house. He's in his PJs. And it stands to reason, if Wanda didn't know who, who this fake Pietro was uh, until he showed up, then the only ex- the only real explanation is probably that he has been at Agatha's house. So who, who is he? Is he Ralph? Is he Ralphisto? <laughs> I didn't expect you to combine the names. <laughs> well, you see what I did was I took Ralph and Mephisto and I put them together. Okay, listen. I could have said Ra- Ralisto. There you go. And so Ralisto. what I mean there is I mean Ralph and Mephisto. Or just you Melf. Melf. What? <laughs> M-E- Mephisto, LPH, MILF. <laughs> Chris, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I have, I have a, a theory about Pietro, but I feel like it will be better discussed later in the episode. Uh, when we Maybe when we get to Agatha's house or, or, the, or the commercial. The, the commercial break, I think. Portion. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, hold off on that until we talk about the commercial. Oh, I have things to I say don't... about the commercials, so please Yeah, add. I figured you would. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like Ralph is just a, a, a comedy construct. I don't feel like Ralph exists at all. That's kind of how I feel about Ralph. That's because uh, uh, because so many people have been theorizing about Ralph. I think it would be funny if it's just, hey, there's always some unseen spouse in sitcoms. I think you're both Maris. right. I think Ralph is a comedy construct, but I also think Eduardo is onto something that Pietro is from Agnes's house for some reason and controlled by Agnes and is maybe Mephisto. I don't know if it's Mephisto. Everything is Mephisto. But uh, Mephisto <laughs> is the Zonai. But uh, I, I, I think it is entirely possible for both of you to be right. Are we ever going to explain why you and I keep talking about the Zonai and what that means? Or No, because yeah, then someone, someone's going to Google it and get really mad. <laughs> is it going to be me? It's... It's gonna be May. So, Chris, explain the Zonai real quick. Okay, real quick. Uh, There is a whole section of YouTube, which I find amusing. Uh, And I watch watch a lot of these videos, even though sometimes they make me a little angry. uh, Of people, Zelda tubers, who go deep into the lore of the Legend of Zelda. And in Breath of the Wild, there's a concept introduced that there is an ancient race in Hyrule called the Zonai. and, And there are Zonai ruins throughout Hyrule. Well, that has become like the focus of all these people's theories that anything happens and it must be because the Zonai did it. And a lot of people think that the Zonai are going to be very important in the Breath of the Wild sequel because there's some architecture in that trailer that looked like Zonai architecture. And people go way deep into well, the Zonai did this. And, and I think the Zonai are definitely going to be important. And I guarantee you, I'm Nintendo not saying it's the Zonai, care about the Zonai, but it's the Zonai. Exactly. <laughs> you know so, what? I like what you guys did here because this is parallel to WandaVision. What you did was you mentioned the Zonai in every episode <laughs> and none of us knew what you were talking about. We were puzzling it. And then in oh. this episode where the big reveals happen, you revealed what the Zonai was. Yeah. 
that was well done yeah Interesting. It, it, like uh, the zone and i'm not saying that nintendo won't decide that the zone i have something to do with with future plots of zelda but it was definitely just them saying hey we want this hyrule to be ancient there should have been an ancient civilization somewhere i would like to point out that i messed up my hair to make a joke on a purely auditory medium i appreciate it though <laughs> i do Agnes arrives, offering to take the boys away to give Wanda time to herself, and also gives a camera interview saying Wanda is one split end away from cutting her own bangs. <laughs> Tommy and Billy leave with Agnes, and Wanda happily settles down to watch TV while the furniture in the house keeps switching between the past eras of the show. <laughs> My. Peaches punch the air. <laughs> what an I'm interesting happy that I called that. Uh, as Jimmy Woo and Monica Rambo drive to meet with Monica's contact, Jimmy gets the information Darcy hacked from the sword base. It reveals that Hayward had been trying to reactivate Vision, but had been unsuccessful until Wanda took him, and he's now trying to get Vision back. Monda, Monica excitedly says, look, there they are, as we finally meet her aerospace engineer, and just like everyone predicted, it is some random sword officer named Major Goodner. All right, <laughs> hold on. Yeah, let's back we, that up. We gotta back that up because I think that's incorrect. One, Same. It this is, is never stated to, to be anyway. the aerospace engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, could it be the aerospace engineer? Maybe it's. I mean, it, it's no, it isn't. But I wanted you to read those words out loud. So, but it's becoming more and more plausible that the aerospace engineer is just an aerospace engineer and nothing significant. Chris, um, is that? necessarily a bad thing no i don't think it's bad it would be very cool if it ends up being reed richards i'm still i i will still say that um but i think we all did jump to the conclusion uh it went from hey wouldn't it be neat if to all of a sudden within two weeks it had morphed into it's definitely going to be john krasinski as reed richards <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> you know to the point where like the next episode is the one where they'll be doing the office so John Krasinski will be in it, and he's going to have a scene with uh, with Asian Jim. Jimmy Woo. Okay, I have to explain that for people who haven't watched The Office so they don't think I'm just racist calling Jimmy <laughs> Woo Asian Jim. Um, I can't believe you're seeing race right now. <laughs> so there is a very famous gag on The Office. It was like one of the, the – The Office did really great cold opens where it was just like an unre- something that was unrelated to the rest of the episode that they would do as a joke before the opening titles. And one of them was, so John Krasinski plays Jim, and he has a desk next to Dwight Schrute, who is an insufferable human. And How dare you? <laughs> well, Jim likes to play pranks on, on Dwight. And one day, the prank that he plays is that instead of John Krasinski, Jim coming into the office, they have hired an Asian man to come into the office. And it's, he's played by Randall Park. And he comes in and he sits at his desk. He's like, hey, Dwight. And he's just acting like Jim. And Dwight is going crazy because he's like, you're not Jim. And he goes, yeah, I am. And look, he, he holds up the family picture that he's taken with, with Pam, the receptionist, who is his wife, and, and and their kids and all these other things. And he is just acting like Jim. And everyone else, Pam, is you know, like gives him a kiss and acts like he's Jim and Dwight is losing. They're, they're gaslighting Dwight into thinking that Dwight never noticed that Jim is not this tall, lanky, scruffy haired white guy, but gas lamping. lamping, Sorry. What? No, (laughs) don't you gaslamp me. (laughs) 
I'm just saying um, it's gas lamping. Anyway, so that's why it's been kind of a running joke that, oh, John Krasinski's already in the show because Randall Park, it, it, it's a joke based on that. So that's why I called him Asian Jim, not because he's Jimmy Woo. <laughs> that would be terrible. Um, Boy. So you do think it's good that it's not... Okay, so here, here's where I was going with that. That was what the... Uh, where we got the point. <laughs> I was so... Yeah. Uh, so, um, I, I think it still could go that way, that, that we get the Fantastic Four, or either in the show or later, because I, I do think that it, having S.W.O.R.D. is a very natural way to introduce an integrated Fantastic Four into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Have them be a part of S.W.O.R.D. It fits perfectly. It's natural. But in this scene, we got a superhero origin story. We got the origin of, I don't know if she's going to be Photon or Spectrum or what name she may or may not end up using, but we got Monica Rambeau's superhero origin story. And that would have been overshadowed if we just had Reed Richards show up to say, hey, I built this thing. Have fun. And then it doesn't work. <laughs> you know? Um, but that would have been, it would have overshadowed the big moment. And if we're being honest, I think it would overshadow Wanda and Vision, which is what this story is about. This is the show is called WandaVision. I still have faith that if Reed shows up or, or someone like Reed shows up, someone that we're like, wow, I can't believe that's who the aerospace engineer was, that it'll be done well. But we've only got two episodes left after this, and it's time to focus on this story here, not on setting up the chess pieces for for future stories, which is a criticism that is often leveled at Marvel. I don't think it's always a fair criticism, but I think sometimes it is. And if the last couple episodes of WandaVision are just about, and here's what's going to happen in the Doctor Strange movie, and also here are the Fantastic Four, then we have lost the plot of WandaVision, and now it's yeah, just, and here's some stuff, here's phase four. And I'm invested in WandaVision now, much like Darcy was. I'm invested. I want to know what's going to happen to Wanda and Vision. And I, I sometimes, and I think this happens as... I mean, we are part of the quote-unquote problem as a podcast that comes out and analyzes it, I guess. Uh, and, you know, you see a lot of YouTube videos and TikToks and everything sharing their theories of what's going to happen next. And it is absolutely fun to talk about what we think is going to happen next and to synthesize stuff that we know from the comics, stuff that we know from other shows and other movies. It, it is really fun to have this week between episodes to talk with friends about it and to share this stuff with you and... And thank you to all of yeah. you who are out there downloading and listening to us talk about this TV show. Uh, you know, that's still kind of wild to me. But sometimes I think people get so busy looking at the forest that is the interconnectedness of the MCU that we miss the trees, which is the individual stories that are happening here. This is a great story, and it sucks that some people only view it as that thing that's going to set up Doctor Strange and maybe mutants. Because it's a story about Wanda and Vision that, you know, that's that's the story that they're telling here. Everything else is just sprinkles. Sprinkles. Ooh. But everything else is just confetti, right? So oh. you know what I think. Okay. It... Oh. <laughs> no, go. You want to go? No, you go. Uh, okay. No. <laughs> Canadian standoff. No. So, <laughs> I, so, so I think that if we do get Reed Richards at this point, because it, it really felt like they set it up and then they didn't deliver, which. Again, I agree with you. It wasn't really that disappointing. It was just something we all kind of expected. If anything, maybe they do a post-credit scene after episode nine, and there's just some clip of of Reed Richards. Like, somebody, hey, man, that thing you built didn't work. And he's like, and then you get a pan over to him, and it, ah, oh, man. 
and that's it. See, that <laughs> yeah. would be cool. That's that's what post credit just... scenes are for. That's like that that would be perfect. The post credits are where turn... you do the thing. Reed Richards into Kel? <laughs> yeah. No, because then then somebody would have shown up in his office and be like, Reed, we need a big truck, a lot of vibranium, and a large socket wrench. And he'd be like, where am I going to get a big truck? I don't have any vibranium. Is this Reed. socket wrench? Oh, here it goes. That Reed, would be... Do you want any orange soda? Who Is it Kel Mitchell? Soda? Is Reed Richards going to be played by Kel Mitchell? Yes, Ooh. that's been confirmed. Internet it's actually going to be his character from the from the Mystery Men universe playing it, Reed Richards. No, because but, he'd have to be Invisible he, Woman, right? Exactly. Uh, Wait, good point. Good point. We're inverting our gender roles here. There we go. What? She could be the stretchy person. Yeah, true. Yes, who could be? Stretchy? Or we have yeah. Mrs. Fantastic and the Invisible Man. Uh, the Invisible Man's taken. Except if you take mm. the Mystery Men version of the Invisible Woman turned into the Invisible Man he would only be able to go invisible when people were not looking at him. <laughs> That's his power in Mystery Men. That's not fantastic. <laughs> no. So, I have a couple questions about this whole aerospace engineer subplot, and it's not really challenging anything you said, because I think everything you said is reasonable, but we spent a lot of time on this. Like, we spent we spent two episodes of her... I, I got my contact, so... Is it, are we, how confident are we that it's what you're saying? The contact is important. We're just not revealing it yet. Although the, Monica acted like she was meeting her contact. Like she acted like this was it. Both last episode mm-hmm. and this episode. Or were we, was it bad writing, which I'm going to lean towards no. Or were we just trolled into thinking, hey, you know, you guys always like to think that something important is happening. It's nothing. <laughs> it's like, I don't, which of those things was I don't it? think. Listen, here's the difference. And and Bailey and I talked about this briefly in text. I don't, the way that you think about it, like some people might think about it like, ah, the writers are just trying to troll us. They're just trying to mess with us. These aren't the same writers as the people that wrote Game of Thrones, okay? <laughs> Game of Thrones writers were like, oh yeah, internet, here's your long list of theories for what's going to happen in this show. We're going to make sure none of that fucking happens. That's awful. And- and, and I don't think, maybe it's not that vindictive, but as a person that watched all of Game of Thrones, it felt a little vindictive that like nobody was right about anything. The point I'm making is, I don't, Marvel doesn't have a history of doing that. I think Marvel in the MCU, they like to have twists, like plot twists. They like to, you know, reveal things that we might not have expected, but I don't. I can't really think of any moment where they intentionally were messing with. Yeah, they're not the afraid of fan service. Yeah, like they're. I don't. I don't think they'd go out of their way to do that. So I think that we will get him eventually. I'll admit I was also confused because, you know, she built up meeting him. She right. said specifically him. Oh, that's um, true. That's true. And right. and then there was she did not interact with a him. Um, Unless Marvel on the phone is, and she said, um, "My guy is almost yep. here." Yes. My guy, yeah. So I think that we'll get somebody, whoever that is, eventually. But I don't, I don't see the Marvel writers because of the history of the MCU as vindictive. I don't see them as let's let's mess with our fans. And now I, I don't necessarily see it as vindictive, but right. also this show is about playing with TV conventions and a lot of sitcom conventions but the other half of this show is your mystery box type show kind of popularized by lost 
at least in this in this century. So it could be them playing with those expectations as well. Yeah. But I think I think now the most likely thing is that because I had actually forgotten that she had specified it was a man, mm-hmm. and then and then she met Major Goodner instead. So it's possible that there was an engineer who developed this and then sent it off with a sword team and that the engineer himself yeah. is not there and that like you said it will be revealed in a fun post credit scene who it was and that it will be someone surprising. So yeah. so it could and and to me I think that's a better no, way to do it than dropping Reed Richards in as suddenly a major character in the I middle agree. of the show because that would be overshadowing it. But if it's a post credits thing then it's wow WandaVision was great. And oh my gosh, the tease, because that's Marvel. Mm -hmm. You leave Iron Man and Iron Man, great movie. And then after the credits, what? Nick Fury, the Avengers? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how how post-credits scenes are. It'd be overshadowing rather than foreshadowing. Yeah, Yeah, and well, and that's nice because that'll get me (laughs) over, that'll get me over the plot hole of not having Reed Richards in this episode. The Easter egg. (laughs) Well, also... Easter egg. Bunny. Senor Scratchy. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) We're down the rabbit hole now. Rabbit hole! Uh, Also... X-Files theme plays. They built this rover real quick. I'm assuming it was not... It was already built, but she was acting like something was going to be built for her. But this whole whole subplot of this rover, this whole thing that's been built up for a couple episodes of Monica is going to get some vehicle to get into into the hex. It was treated with a lot of importance, and then the scene ends up not actually being that important. It's real fast, it's over quickly, and then she just runs into the hex. So one of two things is going on here, and I think I know, I think I have a guess, but either they spent a whole lot of time on a not very interesting subplot that went nowhere, or there's going to be more to this, like there's more to why this happened, instead of it just being we save some time and have Monica just run into the hex instead of Oh, Monica gets a vehicle that can't go into the hex. She'll just run into it. We could have done that much more efficiently. Um, here's, here's and so maybe this is bad writing. But again, my guess is there's a reason to all of this divergence that went nowhere. Here's a theory for you. We know that there was secretly somebody else pulling some strings um, in conjunction with what Wanda was doing. Maybe that person foresaw this vehicle trying to enter and aided in preventing it from entering. Yes, quite possibly. Da, 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 da. I also think there could be a little bit of we need to get Monica in this suit that looks like her costume from the comics. And what's the easiest way to do that? And it's <laughs> the suit that she wears in this big vehicle that she ends up having to go through for that just looks like her superhero costume. Yeah, you might also be right. That's all this was. Yeah. All this was was to set up Monica's suit. <laughs> you might be right. <laughs> and and one more thing is that the sword guys that were there are now the bad guys. We needed Jimmy to have a good uh, base of operations to be at as yeah. well. And we need to demonstrate that S.W.O.R.D. is not all bad. S.W.O.R.D. is not an evil organization. It has a bad director right now. And I think that we might be setting up that Monica will be taking her rightful place as director of S.W.O.R.D. Because there's that conversation they have about loyalty. And he goes, my mother would appreciate your loyalty. Well, she's not the only one we're loyal to. Yeah. Um, I think there's a faction of S.W.O.R.D., a good faction of S.W.O.R.D., that views Monica as the person who should be in charge. So, So I think that that is also... 
uh, a key to it is that it's just kind of trying to demonstrate that sword is not bad. Hayward is bad. True. Major Goodner makes it clear some of Sword is loyal to the Rambos and not Hayward and brings out the transport Monica requested to make it through the hex. As Darcy continues to not remember the real world, Vision awakens her, telling her Vision uh, telling Vision she has answers for him. The two comically steal a funnel cake truck and escape the circus. What a fun sentence. Um, I, love, <laughs> I love that the guy that tries to pull them back back into the circus is the guy that was initially a dick to Darcy when she arrived on base and she gets to punch him in the face. Yes, that was a good one. Yes, that was, I didn't notice that until the second time, but mm-hmm. it was, uh, go back to watch Thor and think about 10, 12 years ago, whenever it was that it came out saying, when Darcy shows up saying, someday she and the Vision are going to steal a funnel cake truck from the circus. <laughs> See, that would sound, if you had said that to me, I'd go, oh my god, they are actually going to go full comic book. At home, Wanda's house continues to phase in sections across the different episodes, including a cameo by the surveillance stork. Peach! <laughs> yeah. We see it. It's back! The surveillance stork! The, my the, guy! The, the fabled hero is back! <laughs> my guy, the stork! uh stevie the stork i don't know what his name is um okay so first of all before i get into the stork i just want to say i'm 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 not bragging but i'm really happy that i was right about the furniture phasing in and out of different time periods from the show um and wanda having to like twist it all back to the modern family version of the show yeah you were Um, good job i expected I expected something more extravagant. Like I described it in the last episode as like a battle that would be happening while phasing in and out, but I'll take this. Like I think partial credit works here. All that being said, I think the stork showing up when this was happening, the stork showing up and then poofing away. I think that means my surveillance stork theory is dead. Oh, um, so it's possible that it could still be something else. I think, though, because it appeared and then disappeared while Wanda was... Well, I guess we don't know that Wanda was the reason that everything's unraveling. I assumed it was because she's depressed, but it feels like maybe the surveillance stork theory is, is six feet under. So just can we just have like a moment of silence for our... <laughs> Our dear friend, the surveillance store. Lord, please insert some sad music here somehow. <laughs> That's all. I just... This is one of those episodes where, like, I actually didn't take notes on this one because it was one of those that I was just so caught up in everything that was happening. Um, and it, it was in a good way. So my one of my main takeaways was, aw, <laughs> Stevie the Stork. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Internet, call him Stevie, please. Dude, there's still a chance. I know. I, so you're saying there's a chance? Yeah, like there is a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it could be that I was right about it. But listen, I, it's not often in these shows that have all these twist, twists and turns that that I'm right about anything. So the fact that I was like partially right about the furniture switching between show styles, I'll listen. I'll take my one and go. You know, <laughs> like, like everybody gets one. That was my one. <laughs> Look, I'm just going to say I'm more on board with the surveillance stork this week than I was last week. What? Yeah, I agree. 
Yes, yeah. same. Because Why are you on board with it now? <laughs> because now that we know that it was Agatha all along, the surveillance stork showed up when Geraldine, when Monica showed up at Wanda's house. That's when the stork showed up to distract Wanda. <laughs> That's what I said in that episode. <laughs> yes, it makes sense now. <laughs> I'm so salty. <laughs> It makes sense now. I'm over here giving up on the surveillance stork, and you guys are like, you know what? I think I have a theory about that stork. <laughs> Don't give up on your... No, but I never would have come to this conclusion if you hadn't introduced... This. If I have not thought about the surveillance stork every day since that episode aired... <laughs> the long Someday, time. we're going to talk about the surveillance stork, and we're going to remember that that's not a thing that was a widespread theory. It was just us. <laughs> And we're going to be like, what do you mean you didn't know about the surveillance stork? Yeah. Surveillance, surveillance stork references stork. around other friends. Like, I mean, this is a total surveillance along. stork. What? What is a surveillance stork? Why do you keep yes. saying that? Yes. Yeah, sur- <laughs> I mean, surveillance storking is, I, I, right now, it's coming up with a wild theory that everyone makes fun of. But it might become <laughs> coming up with a wild theory that everyone makes fun of that turns out being right. Listen, if I become yeah. if That'd I become be the, the definition of something cool on the internet, I won't be I won't be sad about it. <laughs> Better to be a surveillance uh, stork than a milkshake duck. That yep. is true. <laughs> that is true. We regret to inform you the stork is watching. Anyway, I guess we'll see. We've explained too many things that we've said this episode. No more explanations. Right. <laughs> In an interview, Wanda says she doesn't know what's going on and why she can't control it. Off camera, a voice asks. Do you think maybe this is what you deserve? Angrily, Wanda says, no, you're not supposed to talk. What a line, too. Yeah. Like, she, presumably because we see the montage later, knows that it's Agatha that's like sitting there and doing the interview. And Agatha to say, do you think it's because you deserve it, is without her reveal yet, that feels super off character. I'm because gonna... it seems sinister. I'm going to disagree just a little bit. I'm going to say I don't think that we were meant to take it literally that Agatha is the one who is asking questions off camera. She's orchestrating it. I think that this producer or whoever is interviewing her is a construct of Agatha's, but I don't think that it's literally supposed to be Agatha's sitting there. I think that was a fun visual shorthand for the musical montage. Yeah, I agree. I think we're meant to believe... I think Wanda is obsessed with television or something like we constantly see her wanting to sit down and watch tv i think agatha is using television to either directly or subconsciously convince wanda to create this reality where she's living in television and i think that comment was agatha's pulling the strings like chris just said uh wanda is sitting in an interview because wanda is either through agatha's will or her own or some combination creating a a single cam um, mockumentary style sitcom and she is then telling the person no you're doing the show wrong you're not supposed to ask questions makes sense does it well i mean it makes sense that she if if what you just said is true that she'd be more focused on hey you're not supposed to respond than the actual words that were said to her yeah you know like I don't know. Sometimes you hear a song for the first time and you remember the melody, but you don't remember the words. That's like maybe that's one of those things is she remembered that the person on the other side of the interview wasn't supposed to talk, but she didn't really register what she said. I like how you say sometimes I don't hear the words <laughs> in a song for years. I think it was the fact that that was the question that they asked was what kind of snapped her out of it. 
Yeah. Because that's a very harsh question. And I think it is possibly a manifestation of her own guilt and depression. I mean, we get the depression commercial later and like immediately. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It cuts immediately to the, to the medicine commercial, right? The antidepressant and a part of depression and mental illness and anxiety and stuff like that is that it eats away at you. And I think that a lot of people start to feel like, well, I deserve these bad things that are happening to me. And it's not true. It's a terrible lie that, that you're telling yourself that your brain is telling you. Uh, And and I hope that people don't take away from this, oh, yeah, she's the bad guy. She does deserve this bad thing that's happening to her, um, which I'll get to that. I feel like uh, this episode I... tried really hard to back us away from that as an audience. Yeah. Like this episode I, I specifically. Think, I think having her say maybe I'm the villain it was proof to me that she's not the villain mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, and that she and won't be the villain. Right at that same point in the episode was Vision like, oh, my God, Wanda's been for a, through a lot weeks ago. She killed her boyfriend, then watched him die, then disappeared for five years. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, like, it's very... She is a sympathetic figure. Is she possibly doing some things that she should not be doing? Yes. But that doesn't mean that she deserves bad things to happen to her. And also, again, the the reveal that it's... the, The extra reveal that comes at the end of the episode that it was Agatha Long, that further exonerates her i think yeah commercial break a very modern send-up of our um, omnipresent medication ads pitches nexus a wonderful drug for anchoring you back to reality because the world doesn't revolve around you or does it nexus uh, nexus has the side effects of feeling your feelings confronting your truth seizing your destiny and possibly more depression you should not take (laughs) nexus until your doctor has cleared you to move on with your life well, that's a fun ad, Robbie. Uh, <laughs> real happy stuff going on here, huh? No, not at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do think it was clever, though. It, we talked a bit about the ads, and I had not thought about a genre of ad that would be perfect for this era, for this show, was going to be the uh, the medication ads that we see constantly. And they nailed it. Like, they nailed it. Um, I saw the sky and knew it was a medicine yes, commercial. Yes, the instant, the first frame, <laughs> I knew what kind of commercial they were doing. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays overseas, because I think that's a pretty uniquely American thing, isn't it? Yeah, yes, I believe so. Prescription drug commercials. And I think it was interesting. It's kind of sad that we all recognize, because you said this, and Eduardo's spouse said this, and I think that those two said it as well. Um, several people have said, m- my wife said the same thing all of us like that commercial began and like, Oh, it's a medication ad. So it is sad that that means that they are everywhere. They are mostly the same and we can recognize them that quickly, but it made it meant it was perfect for this episode. And then just the content of it is just perfect for this series. Like this was just, this was, this was like, they had the idea of, Oh no, we should do a commercial break. That's a medication ad. And then they worked backwards to make commercials for the rest of the episodes. And they did a great job with those, but this one, this was the culmination of that whole concept just being executed. Amazingly. Um, yeah. all, all the, the, the way it gets that perfectly like happy, upbeat people with, with dramatic music, you know, as we, uh, just calmly handle the capitalization of, uh, tragedy and medication, um, is, uh, it was 
it's jarring when you think about it when you're watching television and they made it jarring by making you think about it while you're watching this television show about television. Uh, <laughs> it, it worked so well, but there's more to it than that, I think. So our, our medication is called Nexus. Um, the Nexus in the Marvel Universe is the confluence of all the multiverses. It is the, the eye of the multiversal storm. I don't think I've ever read an issue that has the Nexus that I can think of it, but it's always something, it's something I've been aware of. It's, it's in all sorts of, uh, it's referenced a lot. It's in a lot of the encyclopedias I've had. Chris, have you ever read a, ne- a story that takes place in the Nexus? Um, so I'm, a f- I'm familiar with the, the Nexus, uh, also known as the Nexus of all realities. Mm-hmm. And it's in a different spot in every universe. Mm-hmm. And it is, I know it's uh, tied in with Howard the Duck. That's how Howard the Duck got stuck in the Marvel, uh, the mainstream Marvel 616 universe. He's from another universe and he ended up somehow in the nexus of all realities. And that's what brought him to that universe. That's how 616 Peter went to Miles universe too, right? I believe so. Yeah. So I have read an issue. I want to say it's in the Everglades in the 616 universe. That sounds right. Uh, I'm gonna go find it because it also it also um, uh, man thing has a lot to do with the nexus mm-hmm. of all realities as well. So you heard it here first. We're getting Howard the Duck and Man Thing in WandaVision. Finally, <laughs> giant sized Man Thing, <laughs> the fa- my um, favorite comic book. That no, Marvel does giant or they used to do giant sized editions of comic books, and the most infamous one is giant sized Man Thing <laughs> because it's called giant sized Man Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand the reference. Can My- you can you explain that to me like I'm three? Yes, Man Thing is like Swamp Thing, but Marvel. Anyway, moving on. Um, uh, another thing, and this is where I did my homework last night. I, re- I read there was a Scarlet Witch mini mini series in 1994, just four issues, in which she finds out that she is something called a Nexus being, and the Nexus being. Is like the nexus of all realities, but concentrated into a person, where a lot of the energy and magics of that universe kind of flow through that person. So in the 616 universe, Scarlet Witch is a nexus being, and she learns this from her old mentor, Agatha Harkness, and she is uh, drawn to a place called Unity in massachusetts where there's supposedly an ancient book that will give her knowledge of the nexus beings i did not know that part yes and uh she goes there and she's attacked by master pandemonium you might remember him (laughs) as the guy who had her children for hands um my eyebrows are so high on my forehead right now master so master pandemonium who was killed by mephisto but then brought back by mephisto because he's mephisto uh has now sort of transfigured into this horrible demon looking thing but he has drawn her there because there is a ne- only one nexus being can exist in a universe at a time. And there is another nexus being from another universe, and her name is Lore. And she has been traveling to different universes, atta- uh, killing the other nexus beings to absorb their powers. And the witch is the one that she really wants to get to. And she used Master Pandemonium to do that. But of course, Wanda ends up defeating her. And comes into full understanding of her place in the universe as a Nexus being. So I don't know if we're going with an actual Nexus being situation here. Because it sounds like that's kind of a concept that was used maybe in that one miniseries. And then Mm -hmm. not really touched much again going forward. 
but the nexus of all realities is a big yes. deal. Yes, and I th- and I could see it that Westview is the place of the yep. site of the anomaly because that is the nexus of all realities in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right, and, and I, perhaps. I, oh, sorry. What were you going to no, say? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, if we're going to go into the theorizing bit here now, did Agnes Agatha draw Wanda here with Vision to create this to use Wanda's reality warping, warping powers? combined with the nexus of all realities is that why we have pietro here is that is it truly quicksilver from the x-men movies and agatha used the nexus to bring him here and then enchanted him and has been controlling him and maybe he's going to snap out of it and he's going to turn into heroic snarky mm-hmm. peter maximoff that we know and love from the x-men movies and end up teaming up here and then go back to his own universe Maybe, or, or maybe stick around. Who knows? But it would explain... It, it's a possibility that it, that answers a lot of questions if this is what is happening. I assume that is what's happening. Um, I don't think Nexus is a coincidental use name no. for the drug. I think that that's what's I mean, they used here. the word reality at right. least once or twice in that right. commercial, too. So I, they wanted us to think of the Nexus of all realities. Yeah, I, I'm guessing it's somehow going to explain Wanda's powers. That, you know, being in this nexus location expands her power set um i'm wondering if agatha is going to have come from another universe via nexus uh i i'm not going to pretend that to to necessarily have an idea for everything that's going on but i'm certain that what we are finding out is westview is the nexus in the mcu wanda's tapped Mm -hmm. into it agatha is somehow tapped into it as well um i i do wonder about pietro is pietro you know, Mephisto taking different form, or did she bring Pietro through the Nexus into this universe because she needed a Pietro? Um, I'm leaning towards that, yeah. personally. I'm also going to go as far as... Now, maybe maybe these commercials are a creation of Agatha. Like, hey, Wanda, remember this? Hey, Wanda, remember this? Now there's this. But I'm also wondering if the line, uh, don't move on from your reality until your doctor says it's, says it's okay, is... Uh, I, I may have butchered that line. I am wondering... If Doctor is meant to be the Doctor that she will probably be exploring the multiverse with in the movie that follows this show. Um, if we're starting to get into where the advertisements are not about what's happened, the advertisements are about what's happening and what is going to happen. Um, you know, looking in the mirror of Galadriel, we're back the things that were and we're now into things that are and some things that have not yet, have not yet come to pass. Um and so I'm wondering well, if Doctor here is Doctor Strange. Well, if Westview is the actual nexus of all realities, then, again, I, I know I cautioned against looking at this as just a thing that's setting up the, the future. Mm-hmm. But we do know that it is somehow going to play into what happens in Doctor Strange. Is this how he enters the multiview of Madden, uh, mm-hmm. multiverse of madness? Does he come to Westview with Wanda Maximoff, the only person who understands this nexus right. and has experience with it and says, all right, you and I were, we're going to universe hopping. So, and that's what I think is going to happen. Um, I think this, this, a, a couple of points on that. I, I do think we're going to get this wrapped up as its own self-contained story rather than the prequel to multiverse of madness. Yes. But I'm willing to bet that what happens here becomes important for multiverse of madness. I also think the, the commercials I don't think are, necessarily setting things up like i don't think this commercial is setting up multiverse of madness oh yeah you think the things it's saying are important for what's going on and i do think doctor may be referring to doctor strange but i think in more of a 
and I mean this in an unironic don't trigger the sound lord way, more of an Easter egg that we will get looking back rather than yes, a yes. than a setup note. Yeah. Okay, so you, you know didn't call how, it a plot hole, so I'm fine. <laughs> you know how in the Spider-Man films they took Ned and Gang Lee and they kind of mashed him up into mm-hmm. that character? Mm-hmm. Theory. What if what Soundlord just told us about this person named Lore is mashed up with Agatha and Agatha came through the Nexus portal to take out Wanda to gain her powers and she is a culmination of these two Marvel characters? That sounds entirely possible. I think you could even go as far as maybe they're going to combine Agnes and Mephisto into one character. If that means we get Catherine Hahn for the rest of Phase 4, yes. So, okay, that's what I keep wondering. It. Do we know for certain that Catherine Hahn is not in Multiverse of Madness? We don't know that. Okay. Would you like to hear about Ultimate Agatha Harkness? Of course. Wait, probably not, because she... it's Ultimate Universe, but go ahead anyway. So, Agatha Harkness is a psychiatrist who works for S.H.I.E.L.D. Except it turns out yeah, she's actually right. an, a member of an ancient race of seven-headed dragons... I forget what they're called, but it turns out they are the inspiration for the mythological being, the Hydra. And she's using her access to, like, the Fantastic Four and everyone. She creates a superhero team called the Seven that are just seven versions of her, uh, like, seven aspects of her personality. Uh, And she's using S.H.I.E.L.D. and her position as a psychiatrist to, like, revive her ancient race of Hydra, space Hydras. So she's not always an ally. Yes. No. But I took from that. And so the I don't MCU know why they made her borrow from Ultimate now and then. It's... Yeah. I don't think she's going to end up being either Hydra or a Hydra, but I just learned about that yesterday and felt like I needed to share that because that's weird. Is her nickname Lernie? <laughs> it should be. <laughs> the boys spend time with Agnes, who tries to cheer them up, and Billy says Agnes is quiet inside. Agnes tells the camera their mother is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> I bit a kid once. Outside the hex, Monica attempts to take the rover through the hex field, but it is unable to breach the field. The front end of the rover is turned into a truck and thrown away, with Monica barely escaping. Against Jimmy's pleas, Monica turns and runs directly into the hex on foot. Unlike last time, making it through the field is a long struggle for her as she hears voices from her past. When she remembers Carol Danvers saying when they were handing out kids, they gave her mom the toughest one, she finally pushes through and arrives inside the hex with glowing eyes and the ability to see waves of energy, which you wouldn't know until unless you looked up what her powers are, and then you would know that they're, that she can literally see all different types of energy. But like I had to look that up because I was like, what is happening? You had to I don't understand up. what she's looking at. Someone told you those were her powers on the Captain Marvel podcast. Yeah. Do you not remember an hour ago when I said I don't have a good memory? <laughs> I'm not no, gonna blame I, have, I don't have a good memory. <laughs> I'm not going to blame anyone for not remembering every single detail from the opening of the Captain Marvel podcast. Yeah, I liked, I liked that. We don't often see in the MCU, like, there's a, I, I shouldn't say often, there's a lot of characters when we get them in the MCU where they already have whatever they have, mm-hmm. whether it's powers or cool gear or whatever it is, they just already have it. And we got a lot of origin type scenes in the beginning, but we I don't feel like we have in a while. So it's cool to see an actual origin transformation again. Yeah, M- the MCU, I think, has made a specific choice 
to not focus too much on origin stories, which for a lot of our lifetime, that was what superhero movies had to be, is the first movie is the origin story. And I think the MCU said, nah, that's a, that's slow. Just get into the good part of superhero stories. And I think that's a perfectly good choice. But I think you're correct. Sometimes an origin story, seeing someone gain their powers is fun. And that's what we got here. And it's, a lot of times it's cheesy. And I didn't find this one cheesy. I thought I agree. this one was cool. This was it, it was just such a great scene. And I, I recommend everyone go back and watch that scene with subtitles if you hadn't, because it will show you very clearly each line that was pulled from the Captain Marvel movie. Yep. So you get to hear Monica, you get young Monica, you get to hear Maria, you get to hear Carol, you get to hear Fury. It's really good. As they drive back to town, Darcy tells Vision about his double death at the hands of Wanda and Thanos, set to lighthearted ukulele music. <laughs> A series of traffic lights and construction stops the truck. Vision, also apparently able to talk to do uh, able to talk during the interview tells them he thinks Wanda is, is trying to stop him from getting home. Darcy ensures Vision that he can tell the love between himself and Wanda is real from watching the show. Vision suddenly realizes the pain for Wanda is recent. Playing along with the television plot is absurd and that he is a superhero and flies away, leaving Darcy in the truck. With more happy music playing, Monica barges into Wanda's house and Maximoff angrily lashes out with her powers. Yelling at Monica about her lies, she throws Rambo to the ground, but Monica is able to land in a superhero stance with radiating energy. Super cool. Uh, Monica tries to appeal to Wanda relating to her over the pain of losing the one she's closest to. I'm going to assume she's talking about her mother. Chris, a lot of a lot of thematic stuff happening here, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked at length, and I think it bears revisiting now, especially how one of the big themes of this show is grief. It's it's obvious that it's a theme, but it is it is really the driving emotion of this show. It, it, it's the emotional core of the show. Uh, if I can go back to our Guardians of the Galaxy episode, bring back that phrase, emotional core. Um, Daddy. So, <laughs> so first of all, Agatha, as we now know, is exploiting Wanda's grief to her own ends which we're still not sure what those ends are, but they are probably for the children. For the children. But Monica's empathy... Or thank you. Uh, Monica's empathy for Wanda's grief is what is driving her to risk her own life and walk into the hex to try to save her. And look at that. She walks into the hex, and now she has superpowers, and her own identity is still free. She didn't need anyone to wake her up. Uh, she, she's, she's already awake. But the reason that she still believes in Wanda is because she knows exactly what she's going through. She has also dealt with a lot of pain these last few weeks, really. It's recent for her, and grief can be suffocating, uh, but it's easier to manage when you have someone who understands. And she is ready to use that grief to move forward, and she wants to be able to help Wanda to do that as well. And even the commercial being framed as a depression drug, and I think in the scene, look, she's about to take those pills. You can't see what's on the bottle, but it looks like it's the Nexus bottle. Uh, so what that means, I don't know. Uh, but that even plays into the theme of grief, too. This is going to be a sad show, I think, going forward. We're going to have some really sad moments, but I am hopeful that it's going to ultimately be cathartic and hopefully empowering, especially for Wanda. And I 
we alluded to this earlier, Wanda as the villain being kind of one of the big theories a lot of people have. And I've already seen some people say that this feels like this confirms it for them. Yep, she's the bad guy. It's House of M. Calling her the bad guy of House of M is a gross oversimplification as well. But that's a whole other issue. She saying it, like I said, that makes me think that we are not going to see her succumb to her grief and go bad. That she's going to learn to live with this in a way that is going to make her stronger. My fear is, what does that mean for the vision? Because <laughs> if you have to live with your grief, that means you need something to grieve. So, I don't know. What do y'all she, think about that? She really might have to kill him a third time. Oh, God. Oh, God. I don't want to see that. That would I mean, was, you, would think be. about it. If Monica gets through to Wanda about what Hayward is trying to do, Hayward couldn't successfully bring him back to life, but Wanda could successfully kill him. Like she might have to stop Hayward from achieving whatever means he's going for by literally killing her husband a third time. Well, here's where we get into the other big theme that I want to talk about. I think that's actually a really great thank you for setting that up for me. Identity is the other theme that is, I think been kind of an undercurrent of the show. Grief is kind of the surface level obvious one, but more and more we're seeing a lot of characters dealing with what are their identities and in the various versions of WandaVision the television show we know that all these townsfolk have had their identities stripped from them they've lost their families they've lost their their livelihoods and all these things and they're just pawns in Agatha's game in Wanda's billion dollar therapy session barf Uh, (laughs) Wanda has created a new identity for herself as well because she can't deal with her grief So she's got this new identity where she's the suburban housewife and lives her happy life with her husband and her kids. And uh, you think about that conversation from last week. Where'd your accent go? Well, where's yours? She's carving out a new identity. And then you get to Vision. Vision has a new identity in this reality where he is Wanda's husband. And that's his identity. He doesn't remember his life as an Avenger. He doesn't remember all these things that's gone through. But now Darcy has filled him in on on that history but now he has questions questions about his identity that date back to age of ultron he's like wait so initially i my brain is based on an ai called jarvis but my body is because ultron had crazy genocidal plans and wanted to use me to those ends then who am i you know he says in ultron i'm not jarvis but i'm not ultron i am he's something else he's something new and then we have monica coming into her own as as a superhero, she's kind of got a new identity and perhaps maybe as the future sword director. You have Agnes and Agatha, uh, that whole dual identity thing. And I want to point out, she used a fake name through this whole thing, which she doesn't need to do because Wanda has never heard of Agatha Harkness. <laughs> she's calling herself Agnes so she could reveal that she's actually Agatha Harkness. And my first thought was, oh, that's really just for the viewers then. She didn't need to use a fake name. And then I realized that's actually brilliant because this show is all about TV. So of course she'd use a fake name as a surprise for the viewers because that's what this show is. I have to say the thing to you guys now that we're recording that I said before the recording so that maybe there are listeners out there that (laughs) can relate to this. Because we've had the Agatha Harkness theory from episode one. It took me until seeing her name on the screen to realize that Agnes is like you took the beginning of Agatha 
and the end of Harkness, and you sandwich them together. Agatha Harkness, Agnes. <laughs> Anyways, so okay. Chris, <laughs> yeah. your whole the whole Nexus discussion has made my and your discussion about identity has made my head spin, and it it makes me think of a few things. One. What if this vision that we're seeing is not the same vision that Hayward is after? What if somewhere in uh, Agatha's basement there is a box full of vision parts, and this vision—a box of scraps—a box of scraps—is from the same place where these two boys are from, a place where Vision never died, and Wanda and Vision did have kids. And the way she has to release her grief is to let Vision and these kids go. They have to go back to where they're from. Whoa. So she's there to help Wanda? No, she's trying to destroy Wanda. But in the end, Wanda will have to let these Ah. things go go back. I mean, we, we said that Agatha isn't necessarily sitting the one in the not the one in the chair asking her questions, but they didn't put Agatha in that chair in front of the interview for no reason. I think Agatha was the one that asked her, do you think it's something you deserve? I think Agatha has some sort of, some sort of grudge. She's, she's like, uh, Wanda's the new Tony Stark and she did something that made her mad. <laughs> to go, and now she's taking it out on her now. Um, and so I think that there's something else there, but I, I, the idea of her pulling people from other realities to like mess with Wanda I mean, the ultimate one would be that she'd have to say goodbye to Vision one more time. Like, that this isn't your Vision. And that's why Vision can't remember all of the stuff that happened because it didn't happen to him. I subscribe to this theory selfishly because in Arnaldo's theory last week about the Mind Stone, I suggested that it was a Vision from another reality too. So I am on board with this, Eduardo. I think the cool part is that it could be all of this, and the more likely thing is that it's none of this. Uh, (laughs) Those kids continue to confuse me because they do seem like they are independent of everything that's going on. Like They seem like they are their own thing, and so they confuse me just as much as everything else. So I think that there's something else going on there, Um, but I agree with Chris. I think there's going to be some sort of... uh, it's not going to be a, a necessarily a happy ending, I don't think. Look, I, I, all I want is Catherine Hahn with the two kids coming out of her arms by the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> so she's pandemonium and and lore and Agatha Harkness. Yes, and Mephisto. And, and Mephisto. Olivia Octavius. Yes. Oh my goodness. Boom. And uh, let's say Emma Frost. Oh, wow. And, uh, no, Dottie's Emma Frost. Wow. Dottie's Emma Frost to... <laughs> Uh, who's also come through that you know uh, through the portal from another X Men dimension? Ah, that's why she's the key. Yeah, she's as well also the key. Okay. Well, who's the gatekeeper? Who's the key master? Yeah, there's no Dana, only Zool. Who's the masters of the universe? As Wanda starts to soften, Agnes arrives and interrupts, taking Wanda to her house. While sitting in Agnes's home, Wanda realizes she doesn't see the boys. Agnes tells her that they're playing in the basement. Wanda heads down to the basement and finds a passage to a creepy ancient brick temple with glowing artifacts and overgrown vines. Okay, several things here. One, really scary, a real Michigan chillers of an episode. 
like real real scary scene here like it was very 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 scary and i was very scared watching it a lot of we, we've said it's not good there's a chance it could not be mephisto but a lot and a lot a lot of satanic imagery in that yep. temple a lot yeah, of like, like playing one of the new doom games to me yeah <laughs> uh there is some weird tablet on a death like a like an altar there which i'm wondering if that's the book that sound lord mentioned earlier so do we think it's a book yeah it looked like a book to me that's what I thought too. Okay, it's either that or the Druid tome that they had in the Vision of the Scarlet Witch uh, okay. series in the '80s. But I, I, I lean more towards my first thought. My first thought, because of the whole idea that Vision is resurrected, was that it was some sort of Necronomicon style book, like uh, bring people back from the dead yeah. tome. That's what was keeping him yeah, alive. Yeah, that was my first thought. But I don't know. Somebody suggested to me, uh, one of my friends suggested to me, she thought it was the Darkhold from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I didn't well, agree with I don't agree with that yeah, one. I don't you know, because we've seen the Darkhold. Yeah. Um, but I also like, like Robbie said, what Chris said. <laughs> but yeah, tablet. But The reason I am so interested in this whole, like, vision coming from another dimension thing is because... It, it, in the little montage we get in a moment uh, where we have the that whole Agnes reveal, um, she we find out that she was the one that put Pietro where he was. But at the end, we get this end credit scene, and we I think we can establish that he is not Pietro, right? Or like he could be, but he's not the Pietro that we know. So if that's the case, why did Wanda see him with bullet holes in the same way she saw Vision with a crushed head. Is that a manifestation of her own guilt? Is that uh, Agnes is doing? My feeling on that is that it's just a, just moments of grief. She's just remembering sad things that have happened. And because in this moment, she, in that moment rather, she isn't moment. convinced, but she's trying to, <laughs> she's trying to decide if this guy really is her brother or not she is remembering sad things about her brother and maybe just visually in her head places the bullet holes there, not places literally, but you know what I mean? Like envisions him dead because she's thinking about him and she's sad. You're saying Wanda visions him dead. Wanda visions him dead. <laughs> and I think that's the same thing with vision too. Like we've seen because he's broken out of the hex very temporarily, but he broke out of the hex and then came back in. We've seen that he is not literally a walking corpse. Like he isn't the version of himself with the gem or the stone ripped out of his forehead with the blank eyes. Like he was either revived back into his self or he was plucked from another reality. If the theory from earlier was correct, I don't think he is walking around like a corpse. And I don't think this Pietro is walking around literally with bullet holes and it's like concealed with an illusion. I think it was just her set, like her picturing that, ha that having happened. As she investigates, Agnes arrives saying Wanda isn't the only magical girl in time in town and introducing herself as Agatha Harkness, which no one predicted, not a single person. Uh, a new introduction sequence plays. We see Agnes operating behind the scenes and controlling the citizens of Westview, including making Pietro show up, conducting the interviews this episode, acting along 
when talking to Vision in the car and killing Sparky. You bitch! And I killed Sparky, too. <laughs> How dare you. I'll get you, my pretty. You have brought up Agnes every single episode. <laughs> so here you go. The big reveal that... Here it is for you. Listen, I don't want to say that I'm proud of it because, like I said, we've all known this from episode one. We were just waiting for the episode that actually revealed it, and the car scene is the one that kind of threw me off for a second. But I I stood my ground, okay? Y'all might remember I said, no, I think that was a facade. I guess I was right about two things, okay? I'll take two things. But I actually, let me back up for a second. It was hilarious to me to see people that we're friends with on social media go, I knew it all along. Like, because in the moment when she comes out and she says, I'm Agatha Harkness. Nice to, nice to finally meet you. I had one of those moments where I was like, Oh my God. And then I was like, wait a second. We all knew that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Like, I think a lot of people called it when they announced that she was playing someone named Agnes. Everyone's like, Oh, so she's Agatha Harkness. Right. Got it. Yeah. My, uh, (laughs) my reaction was less of an, Oh my God. And more of a, yeah, we know. Okay. Keep, keep going with the plot. (laughs) I saw a tweet that was like exactly personified how I felt where it was like me. It was like me, all of WandaVision. Agnes is Agatha Harkness. WandaVision reveals Agnes is Agatha Harkness. Me. And then it was the Pikachu with his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) That was me in that moment. Um, So mostly I'm happy. Like, like we we called this. We have the receipts. You can go back and listen to the WandaVision episodes. You don't you need can to listen to us pretty much call her Agatha through the whole first episode by mistake anyway. Right. <laughs> so so mostly I'm happy that Marvel didn't lead us down this red herring situation. I'm happy that I was I was right about the acting in the car scene too. Um so just like I will not abandon the Agnes's Agatha theory, I'm also not willing yet to abandon the theory that Mephisto is involved. I'm I'm kind of over the internet being mad at people thinking that Mephisto is involved. I didn't like, know that was a thing. It it's becoming like a meme that people are like, Marvel fans just think Mephisto is doing everything. Like, yeah, because this is a show based on a series of comics that Mephisto is heavily involved in, you wingnuts. Like, of course we're going to assume <laughs> that Mephisto is involved in this. So get lay him, the hell off. Get him. <laughs> like, like, it's just silly for people to be mad about that. The one thing that Soundlord mentioned last week that people are being silly about is if they were like, Pietro is Mephisto. Do you know how I know? Look at his hair. Like, that's his hair from the comics, dude. Like, just look up Quicksilver Marvel Comics. His hair looks like that. But that's the only thing that I found really silly so far, theory about Mephisto-wise. Here's what I think. I think that Agatha is some sort of antagonist force. I think that she is not the big boss, though. I still think Mephisto might be the big boss, the big bad that she is the lackey of. And I think the reason that she's in this town, um, at least one of them, is that she was sent to keep tabs on Wanda's children until they were the appropriate age or until their abilities manifested or until some X condition was meant. And then she was meant to deliver those 
deliver damn kids to Mephisto. I think that's how he gets involved in this story. And maybe I'm crazy to keep throwing theories after I've already been right to keep gambling on theories, but this doesn't actually cost me any money. So let's gamble away. But I, that's, that's the, the, the plot in the plot is I'm happy we were right about this. Not surprised we were right about this, even though temporarily I was surprised. Uh, and I still think Mephisto is involved in this. And I don't think, I don't, you know, she is, you get to the end of the game and you fight the boss and she goes, this isn't even my final form. And then she probably dies and someone else bum, comes out. Bum, 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 yeah. <laughs> she is not safer Sephiroth. One winged Agnes. <laughs> yeah. She is the Se- Sephiroth before safer Sephiroth. <laughs> she's uh, she's not actually the bad guy. She's just Demise's sword all along. Eduardo, <laughs> is this where we segue into your thoughts about this? Because I'm just going to ask you, what are your thoughts about this? <laughs> yeah, I think the same thing. I um, I would, I think I would be disappointed if it was just Agnes all along, and that's it. I think I'd be a little bit because like. From the very first trailer, even if you know nothing about the comics, you see Agnes laughing like a witch in a car and you go, oh, she's the bad guy. Like, it's like real apparent from that first trailer that Agnes is the bad person in that trailer. Uh, And they, I think, tried to swerve you a little bit, but I still don't think it was like that successful of a swerve to try to be like oh well is she the bad guy like no we all knew she was the bad guy the whole time so i think there's something else i i don't know what it is is it mephisto maybe is is there something else happening who knows but i think there is something else something larger happening that we just don't know yet um and i i'm excited to find out what that is i think you probably we're we're getting answers mode now yeah my favorite part robbie's least favorite part (laughs) sometimes well, so it's not my least favorite part. It's just I don't care. We're getting answers that are leading to more questions. So right. it's we're getting some resolution. We're, we're getting forward momentum. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're they're delivering on the things that they promised. Like we set up this mystery, and now we're gonna reveal mm-hmm. what's happening. And right now, it doesn't feel like they've been cheaply hiding stuff from us. Right. Well, and and for me, the suspension over Agnes has not been is she Agatha Harkness. It's been, and we've kind of talked about this. Is it wondering? We all kind of assume she's the villain, but then there have been moments like, okay, but is she more like neutral? Is she maybe actually helpful? And and so the the yeah, because I remember me, I was on Team Agnes is good, right? Because that's that's what she's been in the comics. Has right. been she's except that I've time she her, was a Hydra. Yeah, except for the except for when she was a Hydra in the Ultimate Universe, literally a seven headed dragon, um, <laughs> in a human suit. Yeah, it, it, so this reveal to me was less about, oh my God, it's Agatha Harkness and more like, okay, so she is the bad guy. Um, uh, one question I'm wondering is, and what was up with the cicada in her house? Are we getting a Lord of the Flies reference? Or yeah, uh, my wife thinks that that is one of the kids. Um, that oh, the, the a kid theory I saw on Twitter. This is another reason I told you guys in the group chat, don't go on Twitter before you watch this because mm-hmm. Twitter, this could be... Listen, I, I don't want to besmirch mm-hmm. any theories because they could be right. But one that I think would be crazy to be correct and maybe also hilarious is Twitter was saying that rabbit ate those kids. <laughs> <laughs> that rabbit is dynamite. 
It's just and a then rabbit. someone followed up with, did Agatha eat the kids? It is she, the rabbit! She, she has bitten a child one. So maybe she did eat the kids. I don't know. Death awaits you all with big pointy teeth. <laughs> Uh, I want to point out, by the way, when you mentioned the Darkhold, I decided to, I, I, I wanted to Google the Darkhold to see what it looked like, and it auto-completed, uh, one of the suggestions was Darkhold WandaVision. I was like, okay, well, let's see. I don't think it looks enough like the Darkhold to no, be No, it, yeah, it like... doesn't look the way the Darkhold did on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, but I wanted I... to share with you that two of the headlines that popped up from two different outlets, from Forbes, of all places... WandaVision reveals Agatha Harkness in the Darkhold. Now what? Did they, though? And from CBR.com, WandaVision introduces the Necronomicon. Everyone just, like, speaking authoritatively about what that book is. Mm -hmm. Oh, WandaVision just revealed this. No, it didn't. WandaVision showed us a book. (laughs) Maybe they'll tell us next week what the book is. But right now, they just showed us a book. Right. WandaVision reveals Reed Richards. Wanda reveals book that someone can read. One of the, <laughs> one of my favorite parts of Evil Dead is how it foreshadowed WandaVision. <laughs> Yet again, I want to reach to the screen and strangle you. <laughs> Why me instead of the people I'm making fun of? <laughs> I know, it's true, it's true. That's a lot of people to strangle. <laughs> okay, if Bruce Campbell shows up as Ralph... He's both uh, Ralph, Ralph the and the guy at the play who won't let Peter Parker in. Well, I guarantee you he's going to be in Doctor Strange because Sam yeah. Raimi's directing yeah, it. Yeah, and I'm looking forward so, to it. So this could actually happen. Wait, oh my god, you're right. <laughs> Bruce Wait, Campbell he could is Mephisto. Bruce Campbell is Mephisto. <laughs> yeah. And they could actually pull him from the Sam Raimi Spider-Verse. Guys, time. <laughs> Tom was telling me... Ooh. Ooh, name reveal. My roommate was telling me <laughs> that, that that no, you don't have to. Okay. He was telling there's it a lot of It could have been any Tom. Top. It could have been Tom from um, yeah. from MySpace. Tom, Tom Felton. Tom Felton was, Tom was from telling me that uh, yeah, that one too. That Paul Bentney said in an interview that uh, Evan Peters was not the big reveal that everybody was talking about because duh, we knew the the trade secrets secrets. But that Paul Bettany stated that in WandaVision, he's working with somebody that he's always wanted to work with as like a dream in like a dream type job scenario. What if that person is Bruce Campbell? Sure. I think a lot of people heard that and they immediately jumped to Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. Yes, but we I, I think that I w- I agree with when we talked about that last week, two weeks ago, that like bringing those characters in at this point is like they're done. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that would, I don't think they're going that route. I was half <laughs> expecting that Hugh Jackman would be playing the, the aerospace engineer. Yeah. And that he would get pulled into the hex and turned into Wolverine somehow. <laughs> he goes yeah. in with some like uh vibranium equipment and they get like attached to his hands. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, I uh, hope you finally stayed around for the credits because this week we got a mid-credit scene of Monica finding Agnetha, <laughs> Agatha's basement, Agnetha's, Agatha's basement, Agatha. with Pietro arriving before she can go in, saying Snooper's gonna snoop. Snooper's gonna snoop. <laughs> also, snoop, snoop, uh, snoop. Um, Monica's eyes turn purple, like uh, what just oh, happened to uh, to Wanda. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I just didn't for, notice that. For a I very split second, her eyes turned purple. Okay. Now, that it can mean one of two things. One, she can see whatever energy is happening, or there is a spell being cast on her just like there was a spell cast on Wanda. I like your first theory because I don't think if Evan Peters showed up as like a, yo, I caught you snooping, we're going to fight now, he wouldn't fight her if she was being mind-controlled. I think you're right about she sees the energy and it's kind of like reflected in her eyes because when she oh. sees when she sees the like electromagnetic pulses coming off of the power lines and stuff, her eyes are blue and then they fade away. Um, which means I assume she's not seeing it when the blue fades away. So maybe that's what it is. She sees the magic energy and it's like pulsating. Yeah, I pulled I pulled it up. I've got it here. I won't show you over the camera because it probably it's not going to work, but. There's definitely purple in her eyes. It is hard to tell if it is coming from inside her eyes or if it's reflecting or I, I'm sure it'll all be Well, clear, I thought it happened is, a second detail. before that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm remembering it incorrectly. She turns away from looking into the cellar yeah. and her eyes are briefly purple and then they fade away and then Evan Peters is like, Snooper's going to snoop. Yeah, it happens just before what you just showed me. I'm watching. Okay, I'm, I'm watching it now. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna slow it down because of YouTube. <laughs> We're gonna zapruder this. Um, playback speed 0.25. Right, here she is. She's opening, and she opens it. Her eyes are normal. Her eyes are purple. She blinks a couple times. She opens the uh, cellar. Her eyes are normal. She blinks a couple times, and as the doors are fully open, when she reopens them, they're purple. So they're purple now. Now we're seeing the basement. We're seeing the basement. Yeah. We're oh, seeing the basement for a lot. Seeing it again, story. I think you're right. I think it is her uh, using her powers to see whatever the energy is rather than um, her being under any kind of spell. Also, yeah, I want to call out right. this. Yeah, because right. the purple start right. kind of starts to fade <laughs> as she's looking at Evan Peters yeah. there. I want to call out this woman on her badassery for just shoving into a vortex that gives her powers and then just moving on and accepting her powers without any sort of what's happening to me moment that most uh, most people get. She like, grew up with Auntie Carol. Right. I mean, yeah. she's probably like, sweet, me too. No, let's go. Damn I have powers now. All right, yeah. let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I am the captain now. <laughs> I hope this means we're going to start getting post-credit scenes or mid-credit scenes. Yeah. For the last. That would be neat episode. if that becomes a thing for the last three episodes. Yeah. I, I thought we were only going to get one for the last episode. I thought we would get Same. one for the last episode, but I thought that was going to be the only one we get. So I was pleasantly surprised to have this. All right. Predictions. What are we getting for the future, Chris? Oh, we kind of talked about a lot of things. I just really more have questions. Like with, uh, is Pietro still under Agatha's control? Maybe is he going to get snapped out of it and he's going to become that Quicksilver, like Fox Quicksilver, if that is indeed who he is. If that is your real name. And if he does, will we get one of those cool slow motion scenes from like we got in the X-Men movies? Because I love those. Those are the best things in those rebooted timeline. I still am curious about how much of this is Agatha and how much is Wanda. Did Agatha create the whole thing and make Wanda think that she did? Because, I mean, now it makes sense. Norm's scene when he's like, she's in my head. We know why she. Who he was only saying she. The only person who ever said Wanda. Well, two people said Wanda. I wrote this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't read ahead. 
No, keep I'll going. Keep going. Keep going. No, keep going. I'm I, kidding. I was going to say that the only person who said this, who said it was Wanda, was Agnes. But also, Monica said she heard Wanda's voice in her head, too. But I think that goes back to our theory of she knew that she was someone who that, that she empathized with. And I think that goes back to the theme of guilt there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then and then also, I think it's interesting. We have one villain, seemingly, who's after Wanda, Agatha Harkness. But we have another who's after Vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if their goals align or not. I think it's going to be interesting as we get these two external forces coming in on Wanda and Vision. Like a love square, but, yeah, the, but not love. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say triangle, then I realized Wanda and Vision are two separate people. <laughs> Wanda Vision. Yeah. Project Triangle. Did you actually... Like, did you actually end up reading under my name thinking that was something you had written for yourself? Or did you just go off on that tangent? I just went off on a tangent oh, because cool. I said how much... I was just wondering... Because, <laughs> no, because in my name, because I put how much of this is Agatha and got how it, much is Wanda, it, it, and my no, no, no. expanding on that was that. Okay, cool. Should we so all read each other's? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I was just trying to figure out. Were you reading mine or did yours just... Um... It was foreshadowing. But no, no, no. Yeah, foreshadowing. Okay. Um... <laughs> So there's that again. Right. So that plot hole there was a very good segue because yeah, I had the same thought. Um, it occurred to me, especially as we were talking that we made a big point of Norm saying her and who is her. And then we made a point of, well, Agatha said her Agatha said Wanda, but Agatha was acting. So now I think we can safely assume probably that the her that Norm was playing the pronoun game with is Agatha. Agatha. Um, I assume we're going to get Monica helping Wanda defeat Agnes, uh, and then maybe Hayward. Um, mostly, though, kind of the same thing as Chris. I don't know what's happening. Like, I just have, I got some answers in this episode, but I don't have a whole lot of great ideas to what is going on now. I'm on, I'm excited, but I don't really have that many predictions or fan theories to keep it spousing. Um, other than I think Agnes was the one stopping the funnel cake, not Wanda, the funnel cake yeah. mobile. Uh, and then there's always money in the funnel cake truck. My biggest <laughs> prediction though, and this is not a hope, it's more of a fear. My guess is we are done with the sitcom thing now, now that it's off now the air. Now he's reading my line. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How it passes on. You know what's Snooper's going to snoop. What's amazing is I decided the order was fine this week and didn't touch it. And apparently the order was perfect this week without me. <laughs> so yeah, I will Great now... segues. <laughs> Call us Dean Kamen. I will now Easter egg Dean towards Kamen. Peaches as I say, I think we're probably done with the sitcoms. <laughs> and uh, I would yeah. like to address my completely original thought that I suspect <laughs> the facade of sitcoms is completely done now. <laughs> The reason that I think that, though, is because specifically I think that because at this point, Wanda and and Agatha are having a confrontation. The kids are missing. Vision is not currently around. He will probably go back to his home to try to find uh, Wanda and not find her. Um, and so I think that Wanda does not have the, the energy for the rest of the show to put on a sitcom. That being said, that's what I think will happen. What I would like to know now that the Agatha reveal is set in stone, 
Uh, I really want to know what's going on with Pietro. Um, I think the inclusion of the Nexus commercial and all of the things that we talked about, that leads me towards thinking that he really truly is Peter from the Fox universe that was maybe plucked out of that universe to be used for Agatha's whatever her her end game is. But we'll see. I'm interested in, in what's going on with him. I didn't write this down. I'm also interested. I'm not going to say your point, Eduardo. I'm interested in uh, in in what's going to happen with Hayward, like Chris mentioned earlier. I, I, I think it's interesting because if you've got Hayward with one goal and Agatha with a different goal, I like the idea of those goals not like being parallel to each other. I like them being perpendicular because you could get like some bad guys duking it out with other bad guys while the good guys are trying to win overall. So that was like the most oversimplification of a, of a plot that you could have, but that's kind of what I'm thinking could happen anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm just, man, they could do anything. This show's great. Eduardo. I'm going to be a hundred percent honest. Uh, I kind of find Hayward and that whole like part of it, the least interesting part of this whole show, like, yep. It, it just, compared to everything else, it just seems so, I don't know, normal. And it, it's, it's just kind of boring. Like that whole, like, it's like what's the happening? are they trying to get vision to be a weapon? Like, I don't, I don't care that much about that. To be honest, I care more about the characters and the relationships that they're having and, and them battling with their, their own inner demons. I find all that so much more interesting than government agency wants thing to be weapon, weapon bad, like that just it's a weird bit of sci-fi dropped into into this fantasy yeah uh, to be fair in movies and in real life we're all pretty used to old white government men being evil so a good point although i am still holding out hope for reed richards <laughs> we've been on the aerospace engineer thing a little bit i know we said it's okay if it's not reed richards but like peach just said i would love there to be like an end credits he was the aerospace engineer all along kind of a thing. I also heard another theory where this doesn't make that much sense, but they thought it made sense that it was um, Hank McCoy, hmm. the, the the aerospace engineer. Okay. Which I, sure, I would hate, but I don't think he is technically an aerospace engineer. But My like stars and garters. He could be. Oh, gosh. If we get Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, yeah I, I hadn't thought about <laughs> no, that. I don't think Nelly's going to be in this. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. She's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> it's all coming together now. It's, it's been written into the dialogue and we didn't even know. Yeah. What an easy but I think egg. The only thing we're going to be able to do is wait until next week. So that's going to do it for this episode. Of we didn't do our ratings. Oh, I'm sorry. The ratings. Peach, rate us before I. Damn, I had such a good segue. Yeah. All right, Pete, whatever. You're, gonna you're, rating, whatever. you're gonna have to rewrite your segue reality. Uh, I gave this episode of WandaVision eight and a half unspoken understandings out of ten. Chris? Uh I gave it eight and a half surprise Disney villain songs out of ten. I and, see. Uh, no, go ahead. What, oh, sorry, I just want to say that when you uh said that the sitcom is dropping, what if it's not? What if we're getting a new sitcom now? What if we're now into the It's Agatha All Along show? Okay. Okay. Oh, Ooh, I'll yeah. take that. All right. 
Robbie, what, what about you? What do you uh, have for your... I see we not only took each other's points, we all took each other's ratings because I gave it 8.5 <laughs> Jello staplers out of 10. Eduardo? <laughs> I will round us out by giving it 8 hidden office themes out of 10, but now I realize it wasn't so hidden because we all thought it all along. Uh, <laughs> now it's going to do it for this episode. Maybe the real office theme was inside us all the time. <laughs> Now it's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. If you want to email the show, send us an email, assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. Want to follow us on Twitter? It's at assemblycast. You can follow all of us individually, D underscore peaches for peaches, GatorSax2010 for Chris, PhilKid3 for Robbie, ABCD Eduardo1 for myself. That's going to do it for myself, peaches, Chris, Robbie. We love you 3,000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Boobly boobly. Who's been messing up everything? It's been Agatha all along. Who's been pulling every evil string? It's been Agatha all along. She's insidious. Perfidious. That you haven't even noticed. And the pity is. The pity is. And I killed Sparky too. All right, let's get the puppy on the road. Starting the show in three, two, one. Can't get the puppy on the road because Agatha killed her. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. The show where we reassemble the MCU. I can't. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) How could you do that to Sparky? Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Damn.